0: Hello and welcome to this Hope podcast. We are Fi and Trevor Tucker.
1: Hello, welcome. We are absolutely thrilled this week to be joined by Mark Mearden, or should I say Reverend Mark Ooh, Mearden? Yeah. Go official. If we're being official. Uh, he is the incumbent of our church. Great word. Great word. Great Church of England jargon there. <laughs> um, basically, it means last time I checked, he was in charge. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we're so pleased that he's come on to share his story with us um mark is a great friend of ours we've both worked alongside him over the years um on staff at hazelmy church um mark currently has the pure honor and privilege to uh <laughs> work alongside right. me right now um i think i might cause a bit more uh, hassle and laughter in the office but
0: laughter's good so that's yeah. of, it's fine you
1: know um But yeah, we are so thrilled for you to hear what he's going to say. So let's crack on. Yeah. Hello, welcome, Mark. So great to have you with us.
2: Thank you, Fee. And thank you, Trevor. Yeah, good to have you here. So uh,
0: for those that don't know you, can you give us a little bit of your background, who you are and what you do?
2: (laughs) of course yes yeah. so at the moment i am a vicar of hazelmere church which is if you don't know where hazelmere is it's just north of high wickham quite an exciting church loads of stuff going on we meet um with five congregations different sizes different makeups and i've been there 14 years so started as a curate in training and then they kept asking me to hang around <laughs>
0: And in that time, you had the pleasure of working with myself and currently with my wife. I do. Yes,
2: you're both Hi. on. So, so Trev, I remember early days, I think uh, when I was a whippersnapper of a cura, we yeah. used to have probably too much fun doing assemblies and youth work together, which was, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was think of something fun and
0: then try and remember we had to do a Bible story in there as well. I have so, a yeah.
2: feeling that. Uh, the most random thing was, could Trevor fit in a keyboard case? Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. And then we worked out that you were smaller than me. <laughs> and, and I could fit in a keyboard case. <laughs> the
1: question, but what was
2: the point of that?
0: I, I don't think we had a point. No, we didn't have a point.
1: The question is, can you still fit in a keyboard case? Either of you.
2: Oh, no. I can't. But
1: <laughs> well, We could give I'll, it a try. <laughs> later on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Because this is a podcast, you will never find out. So, if there is rustling now, you will know, and it goes quiet. Bonus material. Bonus yeah. material. Can the vicar fit in a keyboard case?
1: That's what we'll do at staff prayers next week.
2: We can. Yeah, I'll come in and film it. So it's. Uh... So yeah, we work together. Um, but bef- actually, before um, I was vicar, I was I think oh, ten or eleven years as a youth pastor. So I started and planted a church called Return to Youth Church over in Bracknell, and so did that from the age of 21, and then from there actually went on to do my theological training two years in Singapore and two years at Nottingham.
0: Nice. That's awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, one, one question we kind of ask everyone that comes on now is, can you give us an example of a sermon illustration uh, that has stuck with you, for better or for worse, <laughs> that you heard once and there? or you've given yourself?
2: Yeah, I can actually try. So um, I always I always like a good sermon illustration. So for me, whenever I'm preaching, I'm always thinking, what, what is a thing that I can illustrate or hang this on? And so probably the one that I keep going back to, and it has multiple uses, would be when I was at school, um, a friend of mine, someone in my class, I won't say his name. Um, when we were in design and technology, uh, he was doing some metal work, and stood too closely to a pilot light and we were all wearing lab coats and he managed to set his lab coat on fire and i won't shout but he basically just ran around the designer technology classroom screaming my lab coats on fire my lab coats on fire and and i use that as an illustration for what happens when we feel with the holy spirit that um that we're different that um that we talk <laughs> about what goes on and that and that we move um, and when the Holy Spirit comes on us, like we look different from everybody around us, yeah. that we tell people about Jesus and, and we don't stay static. We move on with God. So that probably is my go to.
0: And I must admit, if I was asked this question, that would be one of the ones that I would remember. Yeah, <laughs>
1: like, you know, it's a good one when we can remember that probably from one of the first talks you gave yeah. at Hazelmouth.
0: Yeah, you did it to the youth,
2: I think, as well for us as well. Yeah. I, I did, yeah. yeah. I've had to buy multiple lab coats. because <laughs> I was say, I've heard it a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, I had, yeah. <laughs>
1: Good content never goes out of date. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so we um, would love to hear a bit about your story um, and specifically kind of any storms you've faced and how that's um, been impacted by your faith and just, yeah, share a little bit with us about your story.
2: Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, Fee. Yeah, um, so for me, I, growing up, actually, I'm um, vicar's kid. Um, yeah, Dad's church, absolutely awesome, fantastic. Um, when I went off to uni, I actually studied physiology and biochemistry, so it wasn't related to anything that I'm doing now, because I can't remember any of it now. Um, but while at university, I felt God calling me to give a year out to my local church to work with young people. And I listened to him and had no training no experience. Uh, I would always. I had insecurities around my appearance because I always looked about five years younger. <laughs> so like I could never get served at a pub, and uh, and it was just always one of those things that like, ah. And so, at the time, I thought I am the wrong person to be doing youth ministry. I just haven't got it. But I felt that's what God said. Um, and so I took a risk, took a step out, and that emerged. Well, the youth church just grew from five of us. We ended up planting another church and God's hand was really on it. And from that moment, it was a sense of um, that call of God in my life was first. He really listen to how he's prompting and then take risks to step out, even in the midst of insecurities, even in the midst of thinking, actually, I can't do this or maybe I'm not skilled or the right person. And so. In all of that, I really believed in the faithfulness of God. When we answer His call, He'll equip us. Yeah. And so that sort of characterised uh, eleven years of pastoring a youth church. We we did loads of different things. Loads of people come to faith. I think about there's about eleven vicars that have came out of the youth church. Someone that's even uh, he actually runs a theological college. And exciting times. I then went to trained in Singapore awesome that would just open my eyes to how like how church can be when they've actually seen revival because singapore had seen a massive move of god like 20 years before i was there and we were still sort of seeing how that move of god has worked out Mm -hmm. really uplifting then went to st john's college in nottingham uh that was fine (laughs) (laughs) It's (laughs) It's, it's different from singapore not gonna lie it was like reverse culture shock um and then um and then i got Offered a curacy place and then did the curacy, which is kind of a training thing, if you don't know what that is. And then I was asked to stay on. So up until for most of my ministry life, it was like listening to God and him just saying, Mark, I think this is what you need to do, yes. Saying yes. And then seeing God sort of move and work. And yeah, there was challenges within that. There's always things that we struggle with. There's things that stretch our faith. But overall, I would have said, I've really seen God's faithfulness. I've really seen him bring like, fruitfulness um, in the churches that are part of. And, and that was for most of my ministry life. Yeah. Um, but I think, I can't exactly remember the time, it put about six years ago from now, um, I knew that I was going to be asked to take on the leadership of, of Hazemere Church. Um, and I had big shoes to fill. There's an amazing <laughs> leader um, who'd led the church for like, it felt like forever. <laughs> and the yep. person that had led the church before him, his kids and grandkids were still in the church. So it was like, oh, the people that led this church have been here for like years and they are awesome. Mm. And so I began to have that sense of those same little insecurities, like, am I good enough
0: yeah.
2: to do this? And the answer I was getting back was not really, Mark. And I was thinking, actually, I don't think I've got what it takes to lead this church and to do what um, others are expecting or hoping will happen we were about to embark on a over two million pound building project so there's high stakes to what we're what we're doing and that was okay that was okay and then um, in the lead up to some of this and in the lead up to taking on the senior leadership of the church it was I think it was around a January time out of the blue. Um, I would find myself in the middle of the night, my body just convulsing and shaking. And it was like, I I don't know where that's come from. I don't know what's going on. But it became almost like something that was outside of my control. And it was like, I've never experienced anything like this. Um, That's for the 20 odd years of ministry. That's not been uh, anything that I'd have gone through. And it threw me, to be honest. It was like, what is going on? Fairly understandable response, yeah and in the mix of that I found myself just getting super 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 anxious about things mm-hmm. and escalating into I'm, I'm a failure I can't do this I can't do this I can't do this um, there would be times where I'll be sick before even turning up to church we I remember running a massive gift day for the building project on that morning I was so nervous I actually collapsed in preparation uh, while I'm one was there, my wife was there as I collapsed. She's like, oh, what's going on, what's going on? Came round and, and then I uh, pulled myself together and got on and preached. <laughs> yep. And so there was this like sense of like behind the scenes, a bit of a nervous wreck and physical stuff happening, but then publicly just really having to push through because there's all these expectations on how I've got to deliver and what I've got to do. Um, in the mix of it, some... F- Actually, the, the, the guy that used to lead church came to see me and he said, Mark, you probably want to go and see a doctor about that.
1: Yeah. Good, <laughs> so, shout. good <laughs> shout. Good advice. Yeah,
2: that's not normal.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, and actually, so I did. And I, I don't like going to the doctor. I, that is, if anyone that's worked with me, that is <laughs> yeah. like, for me to go to a doctor, it's got to be a big deal. Um, I'm not going to name the surgery I went to. Um, I went to see a doctor and I, I don't like going to the doctors. And this just told me why I shouldn't go to doctors. I was in the doctors for maybe a minute. I explained what had been going on, about the shaking, the being sick, all those things. And I remember him, just as I was talking, he wrote something, wrote a little prescription, put the prescription on the desk and just slid it across the desk and said these words, that'll take the edge off it. And then I went. And so, um, so I was like, oh my word. So I was prescribed some medication, not told about how to take it or anything. So, um, ended up just like taking what I was meant to take. Um, and, and I didn't, my body didn't react well to that. There was no way I was going back to the doctor. Anyway, it just sort of escalated into a bit of a mess no sleep for a week ended up having to do like a one 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 call and the the doctor did actually get to say why are you on that dose you shouldn't be like that and um and that and that kind of settled down a bit but it was like for quite a few years just really struggling so even though there was some medication it it sort of took the edge off well it was true it did take the edge off slightly Mm -hmm. but there was this constant underlying anxiety going into work was a was a challenge um the default position for me was whenever i did think i'd come off the back of doing something that's just rubbish i've failed everybody's going to leave our church and it was just like everything seemed mentally to be negative yeah but on the outside still having to deliver taking on leadership church doing this big building project and so that sort of lasted for quite a few um years actually it's i'm through that now yeah um but that was something i wrestled with for probably about three years in the midst of that close friend died and he was the one person that i was actually talking to about it and there yeah. just seemed to be a whole load of things that just sort of made it worse um, yeah. for a period of time
1: as a, a vicar or being in church leadership do you find it harder to find people to talk to and be vulnerable with about Stuff like that, because obviously, you as your career, it's like people come to you for help. People come to you to talk. Um, is that something that you found difficult to kind of do in re- in return?
2: Yeah, I, actually, I did. So they wouldn't. They're probably just less than a handful of people in the church. I I didn't. I didn't feel I could say anything because the expectations on me were like, I came as curate, then was the associate and then was going to take on leadership church. So I felt that the church had an expectation on me that I had to deliver to a certain standard or a certain way. And again, as I said, because we're doing this massive project, I had to bring that to completion, etc. So, um, yeah, there was just a handful of people and also some of the some of my coping mechanisms, which were really unhelpful when we're going to those now, but no one would know those. So it's like, actually, there, there was, there wouldn't be anyone in, the only person would really know would be kind of one, my wife. So, um, yeah, in a church, it's a strange thing because yeah. there's a sort of expectation that you're the one people go to yeah. for support or help, which is absolutely the right thing. Yeah, um, But it's like, where do, where do you, go? I did actually get help. Um, yeah. But it was from outside of, outside yeah. of the church. Hmm. Yeah. So kind of
0: it—it's quite difficult. Obviously, what's going on, everything in that in that kind of realm, in your anxiety and things like that. So, what was that kind of effect on your faith in that
2: point as well? So, it's a weird one. So, Wam would observe my yeah would observe my behaviour. She said kind of like I was just numb or like one step removed from everything that was going on yeah um in a way there was a numbness around faith but i had a routine and a pattern so the one thing that i did um was i journaled mm-hmm. i don't not every day and and that became almost the lifeline of my faith yeah so um and i and i've got my journals and and like um, rereading through some of my entries into those journals or were, we're just like, oh, I can't do this, don't want to do this anymore. But and on but at the same time saying, But God, but knowing that truth, if God's called me, which I believed He had, He called me when I was 21 to lead a youth church, he called me to be a vicar, it's like, but God, if you've called me, you've got to be in this. Yeah. So there's that weirdness of sort of a numbness, being slightly removed from the situation, but like that lifeline of being able to write down real prayers to God. And probably, yeah, no, not probably. That would have been like the strand that kept kept me rooted and connected. And for me, the other thing would be worship. Um, before I was a vicar, I used to lead a lot of worship, wrote songs and all that. Um, and there'd be one or two songs that would just be like, I'm just going to have to sing this out. Yeah. Mm. And I think one of them... Uh, will, Probably your listeners will know, Reckless Love, uh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And I remember just listening to that on headphones and walking around my garage of all places. (laughs) I don't know why it was my garage. Um, It's a holy place. It is a holy place. (laughs) (laughs) It smells of oil. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And and the recycling bin. So it's a beautiful place. Um, And just remember like literally singing that out and just like almost yelling it out. Um, or so for me, it was the, the journaling, of writing down prayers, when I couldn't necessarily pray the prayers, yes. and then worship someone else's lyrics or someone else's tune, that meant I could still connect relationally with God in in that.
1: Um. So, was there any particular scriptures you've mentioned songs that helped you? Was there any scriptures that helped you through that time?
2: Yeah. So coming out of the end of it, um. I went on a sabbatical, actually, when I'd come through. But um, there was a passage that I was drawn to quite a few times, which is in 1 Kings chapter 19, which is the story of Elijah. And um, yeah, on sabbatical, uh, by then I'd actually, the anxiety had pretty much gone by then. But I spent like a few months in just 1 Kings 19. And it's a beautiful story of Elijah who um, was called by God, was obedient to God. God tested his faith, pushed him to the limit. Um, and actually, as a result of that, Elijah just saw like amazing miracles. So he defeated, he was outnumbered, defeated these prophets of Baal, saw this amazing miracle of fire coming down and consuming a sacrifice against all odds. And so in a way, I guess people would have looked... Elijah at that point and God, this guy is a well he was a man of God who's faithful and God is moving through him and so that's the first few that's our first introduction to Elijah and then when we come to 1 Kings 19 um, Elijah was just told one thing by this woman this um, who was the queen and said I'm gonna the queen basically said to Elijah got a message to him Queen Jezebel I'm gonna kill you and rather than just thinking or him saying, "No, God is with me. God has just defeated all these prophets. I know God can work a miracle." Rather than Elijah t- of trusting in God, he just spiraled into a very dark place. And you you read that almost hearing that um, thing from Jezebel, "You're gonna, I'm gonna get you." He he left his home. He then wandered out in towards the wilderness. He then had one servant who, was, I guess, was his closest friend and companion. He told his servant, no, you stay here and I'm going to walk another chunk of distance into the desert. And then it, and the story goes in 1 Kings 19 that he sat down um, under a tree, alone, isolated and prayed to God and basically said, God, I'm all alone. I've lost hope. I just wish I was dead. So take me now. So in a way, went from actually an amazing Outward success, if you like, just hearing one statement spiralled him into a place of loneliness, isolation, withdrawal, and actually then desiring to end it all. And then, and what was interesting with that, then then God steps in. And the way God steps in, it wasn't like, Elijah, just pull yourself together. look at Look at what I've done through you. So it wasn't like a history lesson. It was like a father caring. And so I've almost got this picture of God like sitting with Elijah in that place. And the first thing he said to Elijah, you've got, you, really practical, you've got to eat
0: because
2: yeah. you've not eaten mm. and you've got to sleep because you're, you're exhausted. Mm. And so he ate and he slept and he woke up again. And then the next thing that God says to him, no, you've got to sleep some more. Yeah. Mm. You, you need to rest. You're still exhausted. And so there's that sense of God just sitting with Elijah, not trying to say, what are you thinking? Don't you know that I'm with you? Just saying, you need to eat and you need to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, Elijah was told, and, and actually, now you're going to go and find me. It wasn't with those words, but there was a sense that Elijah at that point, after he'd slept and eaten, he got up and went to a place called Mount Horeb. And the, another word for Horeb is Mount Sinai. And if you know your Bibles, you know Mount Sinai is the place where God had a reputation of being. So in my mind, it's God has looked after him. God has given him rest and food. And then God is saying, right, I want to meet with you. Yeah. And so I guess for Elijah, he goes, well, where if I'm going to meet with God, where do I go? Well, I've got to go to that mountain. Because yeah. if you want to meet with God, that's the mountain you need to rock up to. Mm. And so he then went to that mountain and there's this lovely interplay or like a throwback, Mm. a flashback to Moses. And then God, like there was an earthquake and a fire and this wind, and there's all these outward volume and outward manifestations of God's presence. And then after each of those big things, there's this simple sentence that then says, but God wasn't in the fire, but God wasn't in the earthquake, but God wasn't in the wind and if you know Moses, you'll know that when the Ten Commandments came at the top of that Mount Horeb, Horeb or Mount Sinai, there was wind and earthquake. And in the past, God had spoken in this massive way. But with Elijah, it wasn't that. So all these big things, it goes, yeah, but God wasn't in that. And then it's like God leans in with a whisper. And then there's this lovely line, and it says, but God was in the whisper. And so we've got this journey of like someone that has been outward su- outwardly ministry successful, yeah. crashing, literally crashing. And then God's care just coming in with sleep, food, exercise, yeah. walking, go into the presence of God. And then the whisper of God. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's so, I love that God's first response was this kind of like, like a self care thing like you need to take care of the practical. And I, Things like that, they shouldn't come as a surprise to us because God is our creator. He knit us together. He knows us from the inside out. But it's, you know, those are things that actually even when you seek help, it's like, right, you need to be making sure you're eating, making sure you're taking care. Like, get those practical things lined up and right from, you know, way back when in the Bible, God's saying, you need to do these things. You need to take care of yourself. And the kind of the physical and the mental is so intertwined in the faith. It's like everything is knit together
0: um yeah self-care is not a new idea no. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> not it's, a it's not
1: a, not a trend
0: <laughs> no it's uh been around for a while hasn't it yeah. yeah that's yeah it's really interesting as well like the triggers as well like clearly you know th- the smallest of things that Elijah's faced he's faced all these big things and this tiny little couple of words is what's triggered him to have yeah. this thing yeah. and it just shows you know actually from a from our mind point of view like we don't know what's going to trigger us and it can be the smallest of things, even though we've been through much bigger, much yeah, harder things. Yes,
2: yeah. So, yeah, that's really interesting.
0: Thank you for sharing that. That's great.
2: Yeah, and back to that little trigger thing that, yeah, that for for me, for some of it would be like just someone saying, oh, I'm thinking of uh, trying out a different church. Yeah. And then that would spiral me down into, oh, that means I'm a failure. That means everybody's going to leave. And, yeah. and so it's weird, yeah, Trevor, as you said that, like the trigger is actually almost... it irrelevant in one sense because your mind does something to that trigger that just takes you to a place that you wouldn't have thought or under normal circumstances you wouldn't have gone at all yeah, definitely. yeah
1: and I guess for us being part of the church we've been on I'm currently staff at the church and Trevor has been in the past like from an outward perspective God has just blessed the church so richly through your leadership and through what's the building project you're talking about and everything else that like we've seen so much growth and God's done amazing things. Um, but it is that when you feel the weight of everything on your shoulders and kind of that must have been that kind of, was it like the responsibility that was getting you?
2: I think it was my insecurities. Mm. So, um, for me, and I think that goes right back to being young. Like, as I said, right at the beginning, like not not being the right fit to be a youth worker yeah. or at school, always being the one that was looked the youngest. Um, we didn't have loads of money, so I I was in a school that was quite competitive in terms of finance, and therefore there'd be ridicule around what I was wearing. So it's always that sense of I'm not good enough. Yeah. I'm not good enough, and so therefore when it was in in a way it was that lesson. Mm. So maybe when I then become vicar or senior leader of this church, I'm not going to be good enough, um, and then everything got turned into that i think there was a level of busyness and mm. stress and i think looking back there was just this build up build up build up of stress mm. um which i then think because i'm my degree was actually in physiology with biochemistry and i know that prolonged stress does stuff physiologically to you yeah yeah so um but for me i just didn't see it coming i did i yeah, yeah. it came out of, out of nowhere
1: um so kind of how do you now you're sort of kind of saying you're, you're sort of through the anxiety yeah. part. How do you kind of take care of yourself now? And if things are triggered or spiked, is like, what does it look like now when you start to face things like that?
2: Yeah, so coming through that journey through the storm, um, for me there was a few things that like helped and things that I learned in the midst of that. Um, one was what you'd already asked, really, a sense of that relationship with God. So the journaling and the writing, for me became the most significant thing and the worship so in in a sense even in the midst of that there was that still that retaining a, a connection with my loving God who actually cares for me um I'd received I did a couple of healthy mind courses and they were really practical I think it's CBT stuff to help analyze when the anxiety kicked off to help really work out what is it that I'm worried about and is it actually something that not should be because, of course, you can't, but like in a way, something that was a legitimate worry mm. yeah. or hypothetical worry that was really helpful. Um, I actually asked a member like someone in our church who, uh, yeah, could use she got a swim pool actually, like could I do some exercises like swimming, started cycling, um, and then a rece- Then received, uh, I think, 10 sessions of like counseling. I think mm. it was Again, that was helpful to unpack some of my, um, in a way the things that were driving me so years ago there was a book called driven beyond the call of god but i don't really remember the book but i remember the title yeah and i remember reading the book going probably the title is enough so that, <laughs> and that sense of your you can be driven beyond the call of god and i really identified with that like god's calling our lives but some things in us drive us beyond that and so um trying to map work out when am I being when is it marked mid and driving beyond beyond the call of God like so a few things so there's exercise uh, some diet stuff but my wife's a nutritionist but uh, that's not brilliant for me but um, <laughs> uh, well no that's you know the nutrition is brilliant for me but on <laughs> um, my diet stuff I'm not my eating has not amazing yeah, um, yeah fee works of me so she'll know that um and also spotting the early symptoms. So if anyone, I guess some of you identify, there's early symptoms that kick in with anxiety, like a sickness and a flutter. And, and at that point, when I can sense my brain going down into a spiral, catch it. Yeah. So on part of the counselling, I thought they called it NATS, which is negative.
1: Oh, um, ANTS. Automatic negative thoughts.
2: Yeah, we called it NATS. <laughs> Negative, I'm going to stick with that. Negative <laughs> <laughs> I I well, I'm also dyslexic yeah. so they might have been saying ants the whole time <laughs> and I I remember it at nat so yeah. negative automatic thoughts.
1: Yes, I think. That'll do. Yeah.
2: Should we should we yeah. Nats. land on that Gnats or ants um and so because in the in the in the courses that I went on the healthy minds courses with this recognizing and so now I can remember the old patterns of things that I'll start thinking and try and catch it earlier yeah. before it spirals out. So um, so yeah, to sort of recap, k- keeping the relationship with God in a way that I can do. So I read the other day, like pray as you can, not as you can't. So how can I pray? Well, I can pray by writing or walking or whatever it is. So don't set myself up barriers to prayer. So pray as I can, not as I can't. So keeping that foundation faith exercise and then spotting the thoughts as they come and yeah it happens less and less I do notice it sometimes but it's like oh I don't want to go back to that there's a sense yeah. of yeah. I don't want to go back to where I was and it was probably a four-year journey of working working through it
0: yeah I was reading um, a book recently around mental health and stuff and it's talking about that kind of recognizing the thoughts and almost having to the book describes it almost as zooming out on a phone actually you need your own your brain you need to find that thought and zoom out and go okay well what what am i doing here how can i put a change in here to make sure that i don't zoom back in on that one it's really hard to do but once you've kind of got it it's it's a really helpful way of dealing with those triggers i think just to close
1: like Having gone through this experience, has it? What would you want to say to maybe either other church leaders who are, who are maybe experiencing similar things, or has it changed how when people come to you um, and are struggling with mental health? Has having gone through it, has it changed your response, or what would you want to say to those people?
2: Hundred percent change response. So um, I guess, like, if you asked me ten years ago. I wouldn't really know how to even journey with anyone through it you'd be like compassionate and work alongside but you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily know so just even tiny little things so um another one of our staff team know that actually they'd they'd had their own challenges but then after after a line manager meeting with him would go through stuff I'd ask the question before you leave my office has anything that we've talked about triggered you because you can't tell on the outset someone is. Looks absolutely fine, but internally they've just spiraled. But you don't know that. But you can. So it's little things of being aware that some people might be spiraling out, and then also knowing like um, the healing of that or the whole the journey to wholeness in that isn't quick necessarily, yeah. and also is multifaceted. So it's like actually, and the, we know there's there's loads of people that are struggling. And I feel that whether it's people. F- whether it's a safe space, I don't know, but I'm aware that people will talk to me all about it. But knowing that actually there's not there's not a quick fix, mm. and there's loads of it's almost like those mini decisions. Yeah. And so there's a book I haven't read it. Um, I did put it into AI to give me a summary so I feel I know about it. Read <laughs> the it's, title, yeah, Atomic <laughs> Habits.
1: Oh, so good. Yeah, I've not
2: read. Have you read it?
1: I've listened to the audio book.
2: It's on my my desk. I need to read it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I cheated, I went to Chat GP and said, Summarize atomic habits because <laughs> I ain't got time to read it. Well, Bobby should have time, but that again, that sense of that I'm oh, I'm sort of speaking to someone who's actually read it, but according to Chat <laughs> G, Chat Chat GP, atomic habits just the tiny little habits yeah. that actually loads of little habits actually make the change. Yeah. So, again, understand of going through it, knowing there won't be one fix, but it might be, Well, who are the friends that you can talk to? What is the sport? that you like to do or the outside activity? What is the sleep pattern? What, is, what are those little things? How can you pray? How can you connect with God? And and pulling together like maybe all those little things are part of those steps and those journey. And that's really, in a way, h- helpful in terms of now me talking to others, asking them what are the micro decisions that they're making that will all eventually add up.
0: Yeah, the micro changes are the what leads to big change if you try and do a big change, it won't necessarily stick. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's overwhelming at a period where you don't need any more overwhelm going on. Let's keep this, let's
0: keep this cool and calm. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think atomic habits calls it the 1%. Does it? Just like if you change something by just 1%, then even though that 1% on that day will feel so tiny, but then by the end of the month, that's 30%. And like, so it's that tiny little, little bit. Um, yeah, which really helps, again, with that overwhelm and with that kind of, can't possibly do anything, but actually, oh, I could maybe do a 1% thing to make me feel a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant.
0: Cool. Well, thank you for... Thank you for asking. For ...coming on and joining us. It's been great. <laughs> There's yeah. Really brilliant. amazing things in there. That we, yeah. That I'm definitely going to be unpacking myself. Even yeah. For <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, thank you so much for joining us, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again to Mark for sharing his story there. It was so
1: rich. There was just so much practical application for us um, Mm. and I took a lot away from it. Yeah, me too. Um, And I hope you guys listening did too. Um, We'll be back next week with another episode uh, with Trevor and I discussing um, a Bible passage. But for now... We would love it if you could rate and review the podcast. If you could follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Um, Trev, hit us up with the links.
0: Yep. So you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at WeHaveThisHope. You can email us at thishopeuk at gmail.com. And we would just love to hear from you. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Get in touch. Definitely. Um, And we will see you on the next one. Yep. Bye, guys.